Hello, I'm Philip Gomes, and welcome to the SBS Cycling Podcast. We'll get stuck right into it very quickly. On today's Jibber Jabber, we look back at the Tour of Flanders, which was quite an eventful race. Preview Paris Roubaix, and we're also going to have a conversation about the uh, tragedy which struck uh, the Indian Pacific wheel race, which uh, almost a week on, we're still uh, we're still talking about and still um, and still thinking about. With me. As usual, but in reverse, I'll take it in reverse order, is Jamie finch Penninger. How are you, Jamie? I'm doing quite nicely, Phil. Thank you for asking. I hear that uh, you're brushing up on your French uh, French uh, secteur pronunciations. Yes. For the pavé. Do, anyone who heard the Tour de France podcast last year would know, would know that I do need a lot of brushing up on French pronunciations. So, um, yeah, it's something that is um, an ongoing process. And in the middle, as usual, is uh, Rob Arnold, Ride Good. Media Publisher. Good morning. Sorry, <laughs> God, that was my French pronunciation. How, you, you may not remember that, but uh, I can't even remember the name of the show. This one? No, you know where. Oh, good, morning. Good, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, yeah, that has right, sound, yeah. you sound like from Allo Allo. <laughs> that's hello, the hello. point. That was oh, the hello, one. Hello, hello. Oh, okay. yeah, that's yes, a joke yes, that yes, went yes, over yes. Jamie's uh, head. Yeah, that's right. He's too young for Sorry, that. Sorry, I'll, I'll start again. Hello, Phil. Hello. Have, have you had enough coffees today? I had probably too many. That's probably the issue. Okay. Yeah. All right. And uh, to my right, or really uh, to Rob's left, is Anthony Tan. Hello, Phil. Now, Anthony, are you um, you're still basking in the glow of uh, your correct prediction from last uh, for Flanders, the winner, Philippe Gilbert? Well, as you said, Phil wasn't a he wasn't a complete outsider, but you know, a guy who hadn't ridden, it must have not just annoyed my detractors, but also, I guess, those cobblestone specialist aficionados because a guy who hadn't ridden Flanders for five years comes out and wins it, you know, for guys who live for it, you know, I'm talking about your set van marks and so forth, I mean, it, that would have hurt. We're we're all still uh, still kind of digesting the Indo Pacific. One of the riders was killed in uh, around Canberra, and uh, Mike Hall, uh, who is very well known within the community of uh, endurance riders, especially riders who do solo stuff and uh, amazing exploits on the bike. In many, in, in much in the same way that you would find that people would ride Mount Everest, mm. or, or so it would would climb Mount Everest. It's that kind of that kind of adventure, and uh, the entire community globally was pretty shook up. It's, it was a race that was on a slow burn and really kind of caught up to us mm. late in the stage. We, I don't think we were all very sure how to pr process the race itself mm. uh, or the ride or whatever, the adventure, I guess. Or the magnitude of the, magnitude the impact of it. it was having yes. on people. Yeah. But um, it did have that slow burn, and, and, and now here we are. Um, the, the, the cycling community worldwide has lost my call. And uh, and we're all sitting around just kind of wondering. Now, Anthony, you wrote a, a lovely blog on immediate reflection um, last Friday. Yeah, so I was I was unsure whether to write anything at all, but it almost felt I I felt compelled that I needed to say something as a I don't know a spokesperson for um, you know Cycling Central in a way and. Uh, yeah, it's you know when I uh, saw uh, talk to a few people on the the ride, Rob included. I mean, 
I don't know what to say. It was just nice that everyone was there and I spoke with Rupert Guinness, one of the 70 competitors and you know he he was he was clearly struggling to deal with it as well but what he said which um i think it was you know you've got to take some positives from it he said there was no he you can't think of another event which brought the cycling community together in the way that this had and because you saw you know, guys on fat tire bikes, fixies, uh, road bikes, you know, normally they're segregated, you know, you, you raff a crowd from <laughs> whoever. And oh, that that was one thing I noticed in particular, that people were talking to each other, riding together. And I, I thought, um, I thought that was really nice. And, but in terms of the, the death of Michael, I'm, I'm still, unsure what to say i think though i just hope that the indian pacific will race um will will not this won't be the birth and death of it in one year i i really hope it it does um resume next year now rob uh, mm. obviously i did not know mike hall personally um i knew of him me neither and uh, and throughout and through the course of the indie pack got to know him better as as i did a number of writers as well you were struck by this as well, obviously. Um, yeah, big time. But, uh, I mean, it hit me in a number of ways. My wife read me the news that had been published, uh, that, that a bike rider had been killed or there was an accident and someone died. And then, unfortunately, there was too much information online. There was so much information, in fact, that the next of kin, if they were awake, would have been repulsed. And I think that there was some really dodgy reporting. I think it was really upsetting what happened in the hours that, that happened that, that followed the accident and I think that I don't want to sort of talk about the legacy of Mike Hall in the in the reporting of his death but I think that that this has to be a time when people recognize that there's knowledge that you can share and knowledge that you just have to hold on to for a little while out of just decency just a, a bit of show of respect uh, I have it on good authority that his uh, Mike Hall's mother was notified at about 4 p.m. Australian time and the, the accident was 6.20 or 6.25, and it was online by about 8.30 with his name published. Now, the culprits know who they are, and there were a few, and, and, and there's no excuse. And when they realised that they'd done wrong, there was one solution, and that was to, to issue an apology and to basically begin their reporting again. And um, it's a shame that didn't happen. So, sorry, yeah, I have to add... I have to concur with Rob. I mean, the... The speculation, okay, you expect that on social, but not from proper news outlets that that shouldn't, or purportedly news out that shouldn't happen. But yeah, I mean, people should just, I, I don't know whether it's you're a reporter or not. I think you have to put yourself in someone else's shoes and say, you know, is it fair to speculate on the circumstances when. Mm. There, there was so little information. You just that that's why I didn't put any of that in in the blog. I mean, uh, it was um, it, it just wasn't the right point because the yeah, as I said, such a lack of information. So how can you draw any conclusions mm. based on nothing? The the police but, are still but, running their investigations, yes, yes, and it's yes, almost yes, a week yes. later. And it's, it's I think that the organisers managed it really well. They they oh, yeah. they, they um, issued the information as was required. They acted immediately, 
And I think that they'd need a round of applause for how they handled what was an incredibly upsetting affair. This was a little bit different in, in, in most uh, most in- incidents compared to most incidents we have with cyclists and motorists, et cetera, et cetera, mm. yes. in that all the riders were tagged. So we, we had an idea, and that, that created a different kind of an atmosphere around the race mm. uh, to its good fortune, but also, you know, this is, this is the downside of that close tracking. So we did have, a, we did have an idea. Mm. Um, so, you know, it is, it is what it is in the wash-up, but it's best that we, mm. we forget about that and, and we move on and we think of ways in which uh, an event like this can continue. Mm. Um, and, you know, at first I thought, it's over. Uh, it's not going to be run again. But now, yep, you guys have got to run this. You know, they've got to go with it again next year. That's yeah. my feeling. Yeah. And I'm hoping that, uh, that, that they go with it. It's, look, the riders are tracked. We know where they are. We follow them. Mm. Right? We understand the nature of the event. I'm, I'm hard-pressed now to understand or to try, and, to try and figure out how, what more could be done. It's one of those things that may have just happened on the road that happens. Mm. Um, I think there was a lot of. Um, it's not a blame game in this instance. No, you know, we no. just. It's like Anthony says. It's just ir- it's, it, to speculate is irrelevant. And, I, and I'm interested in, into what the uh, the final outcome uh, will be with when mm. the police have concluded their yeah, investigations. Well, I think, so, I think, it's, a, I think yeah. it's a natural part of the process that people try and understand things and try and you know frame things in a way that they can interpret and. Um, Part of that is speculation, you know, and that's why we try and refrain from that with our, you know, the upper part of our minds. But mm. you know, there's always that natural curiosity, and I think everyone is, you know, awaiting the police report to find out, you know, what, what the conclusions from that will be. Going yeah. a little bit, going a little bit deeper into the event, I think one of the reasons why it, it's it, it really resonated so much with the community throughout the world mm. is that most the, all of the writers of IndyPack effectively represent us mm. because those writers are every man mm. every woman they are who we are yeah they're, they're could, just regular writers we can we can be like i said we could be an indie pack writer if we had the right preparation but yeah sorry to dwell on this but mm. yeah when i'm you're right phil the, the gps track has made it quite easy to deduce that it was Mike Hall, he was the only guy in that vicinity at the time. I, I guess I'm talking about how it happened. Uh, it's not to say I'm, I'm, so, I'm not yeah, interested. I, I am actually, I, I, I'm curious to know how it happened. I mean, as a journalist, as a fellow cyclist, I want to know how it happened, uh, why, it, why it happened. Um, yeah, not so much. Yeah, I don't want to berate people because they were trying to work out who it was, because that that's simply natural curiosity. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yes, yes. I spoke with Stephen Hodge to, on, the, on Friday, and he's from Canberra, and he said he'd ridden that part of the Monaro Highway he, uh, that day. Mm. That, and he's ridden that part of the Monaro Highway at that time of day often. And um, it's not a great part of the world to be riding. The, and at that time of the day, at that time of the year, there's issues with sunlight and all sorts of different things. And no, no one who was on hand, no one can say what happened, and except for the driver. And I feel for the driver. Mm. I really do. Similarly, I, think, yeah, I mean, it's an accident. No one deliberately goes out. It doesn't. It was an accident. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, 
I wonder, um, I don't know if it's a bit early to be talking about this, but we've seen similar um, accidents in the past. Um, Amy Gillett is probably the biggest um, example of that. Where I mean, and this has touched the community hard as well. I mean, where will this sit in terms of uh, creating a... a I mean, Amy Gillett Foundation mm. has created an amazing legacy, mm. which has um, done a, a great job for cyclists in um, promoting things like the one metre matters rule mm. and um, things like that. I mean, do, will we see a similar... Yeah, it'll uh, have a massive legacy, I think. Mm. I think even just, I went on Sunday, there was a, a ride in Sydney and uh, I went with my kids because I ride on the weekend with my kids and I saw Anthony at the Opera House and it was weird. There was hundreds of people. It was a big gathering and um, there was no real uh, formula. <laughs> no one knew what to do. That I talk, caught up with um, with Sarah Hammond and uh, she articulated some amazing thoughts considering the circumstances. She just was, um, uh, she just reiterated that sometimes you don't need words and, and, and there weren't a lot of people talking either at the Rafa Cafe or at the Opera House or on the ride itself. People were just sort of standing there looking at one another and were alone in their thoughts. They didn't need to call a minute silence because the whole thing was largely silent yeah. and even those who were talking were doing so in whispers. And it was just sort of everyone was just consoling one another and just making and just saying, look, we, we there's, there's no, there are no words. Yeah. <laughs> there are no words. Yeah. It's, it, and people will talk about it and the legacy of it will be long and lasting. And, I th and, and it'll just be a case mm. of remember that amazing guy mm. who was on the cusp of finishing this incredible race and uh, putting on an amazing show. I don't know. Yeah. We're all thinking the same things, aren't we? Uh, last words from you, um, Well, Phil, it's probably perhaps worth bringing up what um, Matt and Robbie said during the Flanders coverage on the weekend. You know, someone asked asked them what what should be done going forward, and I think Matt and Robbie agreed that it should be. Um, you know, there should be a time, I don't know, 2 to 6 in the morning or something, 12 to 6 when they shouldn't ride. But the whole idea is it's a race. So if you prevent people, maybe that's when people ride their best and that's when they're most alone in their thoughts and that's when they like to ride. So if you prevent people from riding at a certain time of day, I'm not sure whether that's the answer. I mean, we, we kind of, some people like tracking the people as they are riding throughout the night. I mean, that that's part of the spirit of adventure. And I think you might take a bit of that away. You know, I just this whole, it was, it was just so basic in its concept, you know, and, you know, just this whole wholly unsupported ride, what someone going from A to B for, you know, first across the line wins you can't get much simpler than that and yeah, the appeal was at simplicity and yep. and and as soon as you start having needing to apply regulations the simplicity fades yes. and it becomes more complex and then it loses some of its appeal i don't know i mean sarah talked to me about the sleep deprivation issue and uh, my kids were just sort of trying to distract me while I was talking with her and then we started talking about sleep and then she said, look, I was sleeping maybe three hours a night and my kids went silent. They were, they were aghast at, what, <laughs> at that concept and, and then to think that... And then she'd say, I'd get tired so I'd set an alarm and sleep 10 minutes, a 10-minute block and then feel refreshed and go. It takes me two hours to get to sleep so I can't imagine just having a 10-minute nap... <laughs> But, uh, you know, and the little things like that made it 
so conversation worthy because it's just that, that that's why it was so inf- yeah. you know that's why it, it captured people's imagination because it was just so unique and lawless yeah and you, you can train your body to operate on a very minimal amount of sleep i've read in fact i've just read two books on a former sas soldier i'm not thinking of becoming one but uh <laughs> they that's that's Phew. what they do. That's what they do. Yeah, I'm a weapon already, Rob. But that's that's what they do. They they train themselves to operate on almost minimal to no sleep for yeah. for weeks on end. You know, when they're doing tours of <coughs> Afghanistan or something like that. I mean, it's the, the body is very highly adaptable, as we've seen over the course of this race. You can do amazing things. It's about whether it's this or climbing Everest or Kilimanjaro or whatever, it's about um, setting a new limit or surpassing your previous limit for your body. Yeah, I mean, we see, just to put this in a, in a slightly different context, um, we see this, uh, this kind of thing happen at an event like the Dakar Rally, for example. Mm. Multi-stage, ongoing every day, tired drivers, broken equipment, Mm. Etc. This this is the spirit of adventure. This is yeah. this is this is this is the flip side of the 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 the, the, the adventure part. Is it Andy it, Caldercott who died a couple of years ago, the motorbike rider? Uh, but I have yes, a story. I think. But, he... but yes, it's it's. But this happens at at, at these events. I mean, yeah. people die on Everest. Yeah. Um, the spirit of adventure is 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 different for everyone, uh, and maybe some people don't think adequately about the consequences, but. This is there. This is what can happen in these types of events. Yeah. It's right. not just cycling. Okay. All right. There's a bit of a mind shift for us, but anyway, Rob's got his hand up and he has... We were just talking about Andy Caldicott, or I referenced him. And I have a little anecdote just to... Just to All right. Go for, ahead. For extreme And then we'll talk about Flanders. People. A friend of mine worked on the Dakar a few years ago when Andy was riding and he came in quite late and he rode up in his motorbike next to my guy who was doing flash quotes, my friend, <laughs> and he said, where is the medical? And, um, and Louis, my, my colleague, said to him, I have to go down here and da-da-da. What's the problem? I have broken both of my legs. <laughs> and then off he went to the medical and he'd driven for hours with two broken legs. Yep. People do amazing things. Amazing things. Speaking of amazing, but in a slightly different kind of amazing, the Tour of Flanders uh, was amazing. Uh, The men's winner was uh, Philippe Gilbert, um, who Anthony called the the week before or the days before. And he didn't coach him. Anthony just suggested that he might win. He might win, that's right, yes. And the rest of us were... He wasn't responsible for the win. No. No, No, so I shouldn't gloat too much. And the rest of us were (laughs) W-O-R-N-G. I had once so we said that wrong. Matt Heyman would well, win Paris Roubaix, and yes, then that that's, happened. That's right. So can I gloat about that? You can. Did but, you say uh, it on the podcast? Did, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, the just, year just, before, but yeah. Okay. I said that he would one day win it, <laughs> yeah, okay. and he did. He okay. delivered. Can I just continue? Okay. Sorry, yeah, okay. Sorry. All right. Yeah. Yeah. You know and, how I am yeah, with interjecting. Right. And he um, he finished ahead of uh, Greg Van Avermaet and uh, Nikki Terpstra. The women's race. Uh, had a terrific sprint finish. Um, it kind of worked out really well, actually. The women's race was what we saw just towards the finale uh, was was great. The catch, then the sprint uh, was won by uh, Corinne Rivero from um, Sunweb, and she finished again uh, ahead of uh, Australia's Gracie Elvin and uh, Bowles Norman's uh, Chantal Black. 
uh, that was a terrific sprint with a surprise winner as well because uh, Rivera is so young. Only because of her youth, not because of her talent. Well, well um, I did mention her during the previews. You did. God, so um, yes. I did get, did, get, did get that in there. Um, but, yeah, we heard last year that um, there was this crap. Oh, so you picked the Tour of Flanders winner and we've been giving Anthony <laughs> all of them. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Jamie, no. you're I the king. No, I mentioned, king I mentioned, mentioned, I mentioned her. She yes, was right. she oh, was okay. on the strong sprinters list. Oh, um, okay. Who oh. might make it over. Anyway, um, <laughs> but, no, we heard last year at the World Championships that the Americans had this gun sprinter coming over and would be contending for the World Champs. And I was... I sort of wrote it off at the time saying, oh, yeah, well, she's done well on the American domestic scene, but we'll see how she goes when she gets over there in Europe and mix it up, mix it up with the big names of the women's peloton. And uh, she's gone from strength to strength. She didn't, do, she didn't win the world championships, but um, she's, she's really shown that she belongs there in the women's scene and she's won a number of races and she's regularly up there, even in the tough races. How old and is she? I think she's 20... 20. Is it 20? 20, I think. Okay, yeah. yeah. And you saw that sprint at Flanders. She came from a mile back, and without much cover, she just went past about five of them and rounded them all up and won. And uh, Gracie only got out at the end there, which, you know, maybe if she'd been out there a bit earlier, she might have um, be, been able to win, but uh, wasn't to be. And second is still a tremendous result, which I think we should be, you know, celebrating. Yeah, and we are. Yeah. So, you know, we had a nice little uh, post-race, post-race wrap-up from all the Orca, Orca identities. Uh-huh. So we had uh, Gene, Bates, um, Gene Bates as well, talked about the way the race played out for them, and Annemiek van Luten as well. Mm. We had something from her because, the, you know, Orca had uh, two riders in that, in that, in that group. Mm. So, yeah. In the end, they were were able to produce a result, which is which is really what you want. So. I, I will say, Bowles Dormans didn't play that one well. Mm. They had Anna van der Breggen in that front group, and she just sat on and waited up. And when she's a very good sprinter, and we saw at the Olympics, she can win a sprint from a reduced group like that, and would have been probably the favourite coming into that finish there. But um, no, she sat on, and the it came back for the sprint, which Bowles Dormans didn't win. So. I, th- I think that was a bit of bit of justice there I'd, I'd, at the I'd, end of the race. And I'd like to to, to to give a shout out to the race organizers as well because they responded to the to the demand. Mm. Mm. So they did stream uh, they did stream the women's race uh, on Facebook, which I thought was was a really nice channel uh, for doing that. The stream and was a bit inconsistent. Yeah, yeah, it was a bit bouncy, <laughs> but hey, you know, yeah. like there, but for the grace of God, go I because uh, I got to deal with live streams on a regular basis, and they're always bouncy. But it was pretty solid towards the end. And then we did have the have the action roll in during the live TV coverage because we didn't really have an idea ahead of ahead of time what we would see. Um, so there was that. And was the uh, men's race behind schedule? Uh, I'm not sure. I don't think so. Hmm. It was a pity right. that it was right as they were going up the Moor. Yeah. Um, Van Gerritsbergen. Mm. Uh, what was that? Sorry? The women's finish was right as they were going up the uh, Kappel Moor, the Moor uh, Van Gerritsbergen, whatever yes, you want to call yeah. it. The Moor. The mirror. mirror. Which I said last week wasn't there, but I meant it was not there at 16 kilometer go, Mark. You said so it wasn't going to be decisive? Okay, <laughs> well, we'll, we'll get to that now. No, Actually, no, I let's... said I wanted to see it back. You want to have... That's far oh, words, Jamie. Let's oh, go. No, yeah. Come on. Out the I'm back. Of, okay. I'm fussy. Far. I'm fussy. What's going <laughs> on, man? There, right, there needs to be a bit more love. That, that, that was... That, that, okay, so we've, we've talked about the women, and uh, it really was good to see a women's race like that. And hopefully in the future now, there's agitation for a women's Paris-Roubaix. And uh, I'll, I'd like to see them tick that box at some point. Mm. Uh, that'll be very interesting. ASO usually comes to the party a lot slower than everyone else when it comes to this kind of stuff. But they'll get there. There will be a women's party Roubaix at some point, And it will probably be awesome and throw up a whole different kind of rider again. Mm. That'll be interesting to see what kind of women, women's rider it throws up and how the women handle 
uh, Rube. That'll be very interesting. Now, the men. So. The men. The men. Well. How classy is he? I mean, Phil yeah, Gill is just. He's the, you talk about the Indy Pack being the every man's race. Well, Phil Gill's the every man's champion, I reckon. I think if you, can't, if you don't like him, you've got issues. Because every, if you go, I've talked about him before. You go through the photo archives of Phil Gill, and there is him on the attack, him on the attack, him on the attack. He never stops giving. He just tries and tries and tries again. And no wonder he's won a lot of races because he pretty much attacks in every single race he does. And surprisingly, this was his first Flanders. Uh, no, 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 he no. last rode it in 2012. No, no, no. He's been on the first win. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And what a win it was. Yes. Uh, to see, mm. uh, and, and if there's some rider that you have to sit ro- watching ride on his own for 55 kilometres, I think it should be someone who has the pedalling panache of him because he just looked fantastic. And, you know, it's like, you know, when you used to watch cricket as a kid and Richie would be like, oh, kids should be watching this batsman because he does, you know, whatever they, they talk about with cricket. But if you, were, <laughs> if, you, if you were saying to children, watch the style of Phil Jill because that is the, the most, it's beautiful pedalling, the way he put himself in position. Like he just looks great on a bike. Mm. You know, yeah, he doesn't try no and wrestling. he doesn't try and be as aero as possible. Like some some of them just love to slam their stem down and their seat post up. But he he's 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 not that aero, but he just looks comfortable on the bike. So I think you can sort of take some notes from that and the way you set up your own bike. You, <laughs> don't, you don't need to be super aero. In fact, you probably don't produce as much power when you're when you know if you don't have the flexibility the natural flexibility when he had his hands crossed on the on the top of his uh, bars and he was just basically time trolling without any you know he 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 was low but it was just basically efficient it was basically like he'd been taking the cues that he'd take had from the wind tunnel and he was putting them into application and that's what i loved about watching him ride it was just I, i i sat and watched it by myself in the you know wee small hours and I, I was sort of almost talking to myself about how glor- nice it was to watch him ride just the uh, and if you want to get into the detail I'm talking about just the nature of his feet where it's almost pointy toe but not quite where you see the the pulling up as well as the pushing down and just the, and the rhythm the way he gets out of the saddle it was just smooth there was the, the hips were steady everything about his style on the bike is is, is class fluid yeah, yeah. I, well I think speaking it's about someone who rides a little bit pigeon toed i mean that's it's that's sagan i mean the inner ring has um has has made some suggestions that uh, sagan is his pedaling style is not that efficient but i'm not saying that's the reason why he crashed but the thing is when you when you're that close to the barriers maybe one out of a hundred times you are going to clip the barriers which is what happened and then as a number of people mentioned you know guys like van baal went on the other side which he could have done which was a a safer option but obviously all these things are done in split second moments yeah yeah the second best rider of the day would have to be the guy who finished second greg van avermaet probably the hottest rider on in the world today Mm. Um, he did well to come back from that uh, from that crash uh, to, to, to land a podium place. But he picked himself up immediately, got back up to Van Baal with the help of uh, Nicky Terpstra, and then Terpstra just sat on. And I think I think you see the brilliance of a guy like Van Avermaet by the fact that he won that sprint for second, despite the fact that Terpstra had been sitting on for would have been about thirteen kilometres there, whilst 
Van Avermaet and um, Van Baal just killed themselves trying to get up to um, mm. get up to the front there and fill it a bit. And they closed down about half of that gap, um, actually a bit over because it was a touch over a minute, I think, over the top over the top there. So they did a really good job. And then Van Avermaet still got enough to sprint for second. It's a pretty phenomenal ride. Um, Rob, you actually called Phil um, Phil Jill winning from quite a long way out. It must have been about 25, 30 k's or something like that. Uh, and you you tweeted I, I dis- that I was all wrong, and I said, I dis- "Watch on, young man." Or something <laughs> yeah, it would have been really close if I think if um, Van Avermaet, Nason, and Sagan had been chasing uh, over the top. I, I think, was just going to yeah. introduce that topic. So mm. basically, that's the speculation. Without the Sagan incident, would they have caught? I think yes. Uh, I think. No, because uh, as I said, you know, we we saw that Gilbert, he was tiring, but he hadn't exploded or anything like that. It was a very, I know it was a massive, a long effort, but it was was measured nevertheless. Who's to say he didn't, he couldn't have had another gear in him. And then, you know, okay, it was about 28, 29 seconds in the end, but he sat up for the last 100 metres or so, so take away another 7 to 10 seconds. So I think oh, with was... the three of them or four of them chasing, that would have been touch and go, but let's put it this way, Phil Jill could have still won, but he probably would have done so while riding the bike rather than walking it across the line with the bike above his head, Just maybe just to speculate. Yeah, yeah that's. I think it would have been that close. Now, the... Two, the two big talking points, apart from the, the performance of the winners of the guys who finished on the podium, Wethermoor, pretty much everyone wrote that off because of his position in the race and said this was not going to be a decisive factor in the event, mm. and it turned out to be an important and key yeah, moment one, in one, the event. Yeah, one team didn't, and that was Quick Step Floors, and they showed, okay, well, we're going to put the rest of the big teams on the back foot. We're going to um, take the race to you, and we're going to put numbers up the road, and what are you going to do about it? And it turns out what they did wasn't enough because uh, Philip Gilbert got a got a big head start on the other favourites and it was too much in the end. So, Because everyone's been talking about um, Sagan's incident, but really the Tom mechanical or the double mechanical, which was totally bizarre, when the spare bike has the same derailleur problem, that's beyond me. Mm. They just looked lost. Like, yeah. like they looked amateurs. <laughs> Dare I say it. I guess the thing with Quick Step is, you know, they've got options. BMC and Bora, they choose to have one option, and that's that's the risk that they take um, going into these types of races. I mean, Van Avermaet is is the leader for so many of these classics, and he's this season he's delivered, but can he continue to do so? It's it's just a it's a high risk, high reward strategy. Yeah. And of course, the other incident was was the fence, Sagan crashing, and and uh, Stefan Mark, and and oh. yeah, Stefan Mark as well, and because that took out Luke Rowe. That yeah. there's a couple of things yeah. which really, I mean, that's what happens in Flanders. There's, there's usually an incident or two which changes yeah. the dynamic, and that happened again. But Van Mark, like uh, Robbie, explained it really well about how those roads have got the seal in the middle, and he just obviously. Is, I thought for a moment that he might have just dropped his chain, mm. but uh, I think he'd, his front wheel got caught and that what threw him. And, and he's just announced the earlier that no Roubaix. earlier our morning that he's not doing Roubaix. So I feel for him because he's been the the almost man for a long time. Mm. Mm. I equally I felt um, I had sympathy for Taylor Finney. Yep. I mean this guy has had 
You share a bad I, I, luck. I reckon uh, Taylor should uh, pull up stumps at the end of the year and just uh, become a painter. Become a painter. I reckon he's he's got a he's going to make some money doing that. Probably more than he makes in cycling, and he can do it until he's eighty. <laughs> His his stuff his his work's pretty nice. It's pretty nice. I yeah. don't mind it. I, yeah, we're not fact, talking I, I, about. By the way, we're not talking about painting houses and things like that. No, They're no, no. Murals. No, my my um, my partner. She's a uh, she's a visual artist as well, and she paints. And um, I dropped some coin on some something from Taylor. I will tell you, you know, it's it's. Uh, I think his work is good. You got so, coin to drop on paintings, have you? You got coin to drop on paintings. If it's under a thousand, yeah, I think right. I can do that. A yeah. little bit of coin. So just a bit of segue. Um, <laughs> the thing that amused me uh, after after the race, though, was the intense coverage over Sagan's crash, and all of a sudden it became this whole you know third man on a grassy knoll kind of thing. Yeah, really. Yeah, you know, everybody's like, you know, how did this happen? How could this happen? I'm thinking, well. It's Flanders. It's a bike mm. race. Mm. Things happen. People fall off bikes. Yeah, well, when you ride within 10 centimetres of the barrier, I mean, it's your tempting fate, aren't you? And it just happened that a jacket was lying over the edge of the barrier and it caught on the second handlebars. And the jacket and the grassy knoll. Well, did, you see, did, you, see, was, did you see the um, video? Jack the, Ruby? Was he yeah. involved anywhere? <laughs> anyway. Um, did, yeah, yeah. Anyway, Sagan uh, actually put a video up of... Um, of which showed from a different angle the the crash, and it clearly showed a jacket snagging yeah. his handlebars, which is why he rode up the why he rode up the fence in that dramatic fashion. But we finally saw, you know, when <laughs> there's so many photos of um, of people in the crowd taking images with their mobile phones, but we finally saw that actually a reward. It's amazing. A reward from it. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, we've mm. got these devices now, and you know that moment just gets recorded from mm. twenty five different angles. Yeah. You know, all we need now is a drone. The first real example of that was a couple of years ago in Roubaix. Uh, when, selfie. Remember when? Oh no, it's coming back. Remember when Boonen had a puncture or something in the Arenberg Forest, and someone was like, and he just rolled to their feet, and he, they filmed it. That was probably one of the more famous uh, crowd, crowd-sourced images. Mitch Docker's crash. Mm. Somebody got oh, that. Yeah, oof, oof. yeah that was right? grisly. Yeah, so you know we've got all this, you know, this augmented, uh, this augmented coverage of, of this race over and above the, mm. the broadcast. So these moments are being captured in a way that we don't, we wouldn't speaking have had of, access to. Uh, uh, speaking uh, of the team car um, pictures that we saw this time, this uh, time around, they were amazing. Good uh, topic. Yeah. Good topic. Because right, with go. with ninety k's to go, I was no, maybe not. With quite a long way to go, they'd done a few team car throws, and I was on the edge of tweeting, "This sucks." so bad because it was basically, okay, we're going to come to you. And then you saw, um, who was in Lotto Sudal? I think it was Marc Sergeant. And it was like, okay, boys, now I want you to be careful. And it was so <laughs> bad and so boring. But then when Sagan crashed and you saw the DS from Bora Hansgrohe basically just nestle his head on, that, on the steering wheel, it was like golden coverage. It was perfect. So... At first, I thought this is pointless. Don't put. Let's not do this anymore. You've invested so much effort into into watching someone say, "Now try very hard." Mm. <laughs> and then it, it did. Well, there was, oh, there was one the where there was a, a, a scripted line. Now this is uh, Tour of Flanders, boys. Get to the front. And you're like, <laughs> oh, uh, yes, I but, think. But, but my that was bit, quick step. I okay, think was children, tons. have a shower. You are dirty. <laughs> So my fa- yeah, well, my favourite bit of the whole coverage was Philip Gilbert in a panic almost, saying, no, no, my bikes, no, my bikes in front of me. What, what, what am I yeah, going to yeah. do? And uh, the, the the quick step car just Oof. yelling at him, stay on, stay on, don't worry, they've got you've got thirty seconds still. You, yeah. You're still going, but he definitely, ha- I, yeah. Speaking, I mean, again, I sort of recall an earlier blog I wrote about that. I really do feel the motorbikes are having an effect on. The racing. I mean, Gilbert was, uh, you know, 
given assistance, you, you, you could say, quite, for quite a few kilometres there. You, there was one time when Sagan attacked, or not didn't attack, but there was a moto going past and he really waited, waited, and as soon as he heard the moto come past, he jumped right on yeah. the wheel and it was, I mean, yeah, they, they've got to ride the race that, that is presented to them. He had that opportunity. And, and they're going to take every advantage they can. Of course can. they are. Yeah, because that's the nature of bike riding. Yeah. You know? Um, now, how does this lead into Roubaix? Uh, Different kind of race entirely. A bit more of a dice roll. Yeah. Uh, Jamie, you said you were looking at a list of uh, a list of favorites, and you had narrowed it down to uh, fifty guys. Um, <laughs> he's halved the peloton. <laughs> yeah, I've got about twenty-five. We'll take one off with Van Mark not being in there now, but there's still a lot of names there. Um, I suppose if you're talking about the favorites, it's still Van Avermaet, Sagan, Boonen. But I think um, I would most like to see a win by John Degenkolb, who's been coming back for about a season and a half now after that horrific um, training crash injury at the start of 2016 with um, um, with most of that um, giant team, which he was then with, getting wiped out. And he almost lost a finger as a part of that. And he's been slowly coming back, and I think he's ready to explode onto this race. He's been in good form so far and mm. just needs um, a flutter race, and he's better suited to Roubaix than he was at Flanders, where he did ride very well as well. So. I did an interview with Luke Durbridge. We had a chat last week and I, I enjoyed it because we'd asked, I, I spoke to him about the dynamic of the two races and he, he reiterated that Flanders is the biggest of the two. It doesn't get, get zumped, it's much bigger. And it's bigger big for the bike riders because they spend so much of the lead up to the, to the two major monuments in, in the area racing on the roads of Flanders. So they do the, all of the climbs, they know the Tyenberg and the Parnaberg and blah, 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 blah. And so they get used to it. And then all of a sudden they just get shipped off to Compiègne and they start to do Paris-Roubaix on roads that they basically have a taste of that week in the days leading up to it. But the real culture, the heart of the classics is in Flanders. Uh, and I, I thought that was a good description. Luke Durbridge is a fantastic interview. Yes, he's, um, and he had a good Flanders. You know, he, he did. He may not have been satisfied. I mean, we, we had an interview with him post-race and he right. wasn't entirely satisfied with his ride, but... Mm. He's only 25, and these races reward tend to reward the more mature riders. But mm. he's now in the mix he's as part the... of a rider, as a rider to be considered in these events. Mm. Um, with him for uh, for Orca Scott, because we're going to keep a close eye on them, because obviously they've got the defending champion in Matthew Heyman. Mm. They've got Stan, Sam Buley, Durbo, Heyman, Hepburn, Cuclier, Klug, Mezik, <sighs> and Magnus Court Nielsen. That's now, awesome. I'm line. sorry, but that's a really good team. Everyone talks process. about quick it's step. On, it's on, I would say it's on par with quick step. I mean, th these two teams are quite similar in that they're, they're willing to go with a number of options because they don't have an, an outright favourite. And that's what makes, you know, following those, those teams quite compelling because you don't know who they're actually going to choose as, as their leader on any yeah. given day it depend, I think it depends on the circumstance I don't think they choose someone you know straight before the race although they did say with Flanders you know they're riding for Durbo but then they're, they're adaptable I guess yeah, that's what yeah and they've got they've obviously got Durbo Heyman and um, and Cuclier as uh, as probably the three riders that they're going to look at to deliver a result some kind of a result um, and the others would only that they have to commit to being domestiques. Yes, yeah, that's right. right. Uh, you know, quick step floors. I mean, what can you say? Bonin, Tom Bonin, uh, Tim DeClerc, Ilya Kaiser, 
uh, Yves Lampart, uh, Julian Vermote, Stebar, Zenix Stebar, uh, Nikki Terpstra, and uh, Matteo Trenton. A uh, crikey, that's that's like an all-star team. That's just so good, so deep. <laughs> well, you, yeah, you've got five wins there between Boonen and Terpstra. Um, Stebar has been on the podium. Lampart's been final group, but before and Trenton showed how strong he was at Flanders. And then the other few guys, I mean, they'd be great as well if they weren't working for the quick, the other quick skip guys all the time. So I think, yeah, they, they're going to be the strongest team. Um, it'll be interesting to see how the race pans out, actually, because the conditions are set to be fairly benign. So it might be one where the teams really have to try hard to break things up before the final few pave sectors. Uh, any last uh, last words? I mean, I guess we want to we want to select a winner, don't we? Uh, I'm getting in on Degan Cole early, so nobody else can take him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to look at your list and, and I don't know, really. I'd like to see Tony Martin have a crack, but um, I don't see it. You know, you've got him listed there. Why not? Uh, that sort of looks like we're going for a German sort of domination. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think we're going to go back to Belgium this year. And um, I'm, I'll follow, I'll echo your sentiment from last week and say, Tomika, Tomika, Tomika. Please. What do you know? Yes. I need the fairy tale. Cycling needs it. Anthony? Uh, I think uh, Eve Lampert, because of the, the way I, I did watch uh, Dwarves Door Vlaanderen, and that was a really impressive ride by him. I th- hopefully I'm, yeah. my memory serves me correctly. Uh, and then I would say my outsider would be Kukule because he skipped Flanders last week because he was ill, and I think he'll be really fresh this Sunday. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I think that's. Uh, have uh, we got other topics? Are we talking no, no, about no. anything else? No, this is it. This is what we're talking about, and we're running out of time anyway. So oh, I, could, I was just right? warming up. Oh, you were just warming up? Yeah, yeah. Ah, right. Okay. Yeah. Had yeah. a good sleep last night, but it feels sort of lethargic. But now I'm ready. Let's go. Let's talk more. <laughs> <laughs> it's over. It's over. It's all it's, over. It's over. Yes. I'm going right. to select. Uh, I'm going to go with Peter Sagan, um, just because you Was, know I think. He's ready to. Oh, yeah, Sagan. Yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah, we've left Van Avermaet out there. And, yeah. and there's obviously Greg Van Avermaet as well. So I think, look, it'll be the favourites because the teams work to deliver these guys in a position to win. And these guys are all classy and they'll work themselves to be in a position to win mm-hmm. the race or at mm-hmm. least be in those decisive moments. Well, for, there, so. there again, if any race is going to be won by an outsider who you don't expect, I mean, it's Perry so, yeah. yeah. For what it's worth, speaking of that, I um, had some exchanges with Matthew Heyman. We were meant to talk last night, but I was at the velodrome with my kids and uh, and I sent him a photo saying, sorry, I can't speak right now. I've got busy thing, a bit other things on at the moment. And he said, that's more important. And I thought that was very nice of him. And uh, anyway, but the point is that I was going to, a couple of days earlier, he said, I'm not going back just to wear the number one badge and roll around. Mm. So, you know, like watch this space. If he did a double, I would, I think that I'd be doing, oh, I will learn to do a backward cartwheel. But if it could also in, a in pipe his position. But he'd yeah. also be thinking beyond that because we know that Heyman is the ultimate team rider. Yes. And it would be more than that as well, in that I'm looking to deliver another one of our riders if if that has to happen. Yeah. Onto the podium. Yeah. Or to win the race. Because yeah. that's the way Matthew is. That's how he rolls. That's how he rolls. He takes the time to talk and he's a fantastic and articulate gentleman and I hope I wish him all the best and I hope that we do get a successful defense. Sunday night, we're going to be bringing you uh, Paris-Roubaix on SBS Viceland. You can watch that online uh, on the Cycling Central website from around 7.10pm, which is what? when I think... Yes! you got to watch them roll around on bitumen. 
Well, it, look, it's online, okay? So we're streaming the first bit of the race. That's um, crazy. Well, it gives you a lead in. From you know, the start? Just, right, yeah, from the start. Much, yeah, yeah. Robbie That's and right. Matthew again? Well, no, no, no. So what we're going to do is we're going to split the broadcast kind of uh-huh. like into, into two parts. Yeah. I think Phil and Paul are doing the openers. So they're, Phil, Phil Liggett and Paul Sherman. No, you, you remember them? To, no, no. And uh, anyway, so you'll probably hear their commentary. I'm not entirely Phil sure what the, what's, what's happening there. Um, so we're still waiting for actual timings, but it should be around 7, 10 p.m. and we'll be online. And then at 9.30 p.m., we're going to switch to TV pictures on SBS uh, Viceland. And happily, scheduling has made the event live in all markets to Australia. Uh-huh. So everyone in Western Australia will get to play along with the Easterners. And there'll also be a nice little bonus for TV viewers, which I can't announce right now, but trust me. Uh-huh. Right? Sounds your, like Mark Fowler, he's been busy. Your, your Viceland viewing experience will be an explosion of color and light. Oh, my gosh. I know. I know. I'm really talking it up, aren't I? And it's not like, really? Mar- oh, it's not like Mardi Gras or it's not going to be like pop, uh, uh, you know, uh, Julia Zamira is going to come or in. anything yeah. like that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and while you're doing that, don't forget to put on a spread of uh, Comte and perhaps a multi-French farmhouse ale or three. Uh-huh. Because, you know, you got to get into the spirit of things. Get your eats together. You can just rack up some coal to have there for, for, mm-hmm. for dinner. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like there's a pseudo-vivid festival going on <laughs> while Roubaix is happening. Anyway, uh, that's it. That'll be it from us, and we will see you next week. <laughs>